Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and get started now. Sensibly Loud Radio. I am Brandon, and I am joined by my co-host here, uh, the one and only Mountain Carl. Carl, how's it going, man? Doing good. I feel like, it, so do we not have like the yay? The, the applause? Like, yeah. The applause every single time that, every single time you announce me, I feel like that's a little self-serving. But. Okay, okay. So how about this? Uh, so again, I am joined by uh, my co-host here, the one and only Mountain Carl. Uh, you know what? You took long enough time. I thought you were going to play the Phil clip. <laughs> play the what? The Phil clip. Oh, Phil. Yeah, Phil. Yeah, that, I thought that was just going to make an appearance randomly. Like you were just trying to to fake me out. Never know that that could make an appearance at some point. I guarantee it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, definitely. We've, I think you and I have been real busy, so to our listeners, uh, apologies. We couldn't get an episode out on Sunday, but we are getting an episode out to you uh, now. And we'll definitely, uh, moving forward, we have uh, kind of reevaluated our, you know, our lives. Obviously, we do have lives outside of the studio uh, and our namesakes for our jobs. So uh, in terms of how busy we are and everything ramping up between family and everything else, uh, we have decided that... Uh, Mondays will be our recording days, and uh, we'll try to post those episodes up as soon as they're done recording. If they're not posted within that evening, they will be posted the morning uh, thereafter. So uh, just keep posted on that. I think that kind of works out for everybody, especially to you, our listeners, because if you're anything like us, we're, we're on our commute into work, especially Carl, who has probably the longest commute of everybody here. Uh, you know, having a podcast to listen to on the way definitely helps with uh, alleviating some of that stress sitting in traffic. So uh, we are definitely looking out not only for ourselves, but for you, the listeners. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of reevaluating my life last Friday, uh, I'm pretty sure some mega storms came through Dallas. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we were uh, we were driving home and uh, or I guess I was driving home. I was going to meet Mountain Girlfriend at, uh, at the apartment. And uh, she goes, well, I mean, I, I think that, you know, everything's okay right now, but uh, the sirens might be going off. And I was like, I don't hear anything. You know, all I heard was, <laughs> I was like, what the hell is that? It sounded like someone was next to me, but they were talking to me through a uh, toilet paper roll. <laughs> yeah. a toilet paper roll or like a fast food speaker you know but like like a drive-through but like uh sounds like I, an old like 
Japanese Godzilla movie from far away. <laughs> right. So I, so for those of you who don't know, and nobody else would except for me and the other schmucks that live in Addison, is that you uh, are we have new uh, tornado sirens now, right? So we we were I was looking out the the window and I was trying to figure out what the hell that was that was making that racket. Uh, this like weird robotic voice speaking in declarative say, uh, you know, statements. And then uh, everybody had their face like glued to the window, trying to figure out what, what was actually happening, like what this noise was because nobody had heard it anymore. And it's built to keep idiots <laughs> like us from walking out into the street, trying to figure out where a tornado is coming from. So anyway, it was, you know, it, there's a tornado warning. There's a tornado warning. Take cover immediately. And I was, I was turned around to Emily. And I'm like, I guess we should take cover. You know, she's like, Yeah, I guess we should. I was like, uh, The voice of God is telling us to. So <laughs> we better, we better run. Yeah, don't but walk it, out. Don't walk out there in your your mountain boxers and just be like, uh, I don't see no tornado. Yeah, exactly. Like walk around with a beer scratching my balls. <laughs> like well, I haven't been hit yet, so I guess we're good. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty standard operating procedure for a uh, mountain Carl out here in North Dallas. But now it was, it was the weirdest thing. I was like looking around like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and uh, no, like we, we opened the doors trying to like, listen to it. We're like, what is this like megaphone trying to tell us? <laughs> I guess the city's on a budget. Uh, well, I mean, or they're not. And they just <laughs> like threw all their money at, you know, voice of God loudspeaker that tells you to take cover. So it clearly worked for us. Um, we just had to go outside to hear it. So you nailed it, Addison. See, I wish the tornado siren would sound something like this. Phil! <laughs> <laughs> then everybody really would be walking outside trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Uh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that was, that was our, our enjoyment. Um, Lots going on. We we got to see a lot of movies. We got to, oh, yeah. we got to check a lot of stuff out. So this this was a this was a pretty good week for us here at the pod. And uh, before we break into that, I wanted to talk to you about something that probably is the most important thing on this list. The, I mean, probably the the biggest thing to come out of the 2010s. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Um, it other is, than Phil, it, other than Phil. It is a never forget. Never. Oh God. Never forget. <laughs> Phil. It's yeah, the most important thing. You keep on ruining my intro to this thing. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's fine. <laughs> so it's, it's a uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina scented candle. Mm. Yeah. Well, that was probably not the reaction I was expecting was the, mm. yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I try to vary up my, my reactions. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. That was as far as the, uh, you had a pointer error on your, on your emotions right there. That was not correct. But, uh, but yeah, no, that was, that was pretty fantastic. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't, I can't believe that. But then I also can't believe any of their shit that she sells on goop. So I looked into it. Are you ready? Yeah. Some of the great stuff. Now this is a this is a list from Ranker. Uh, the the Galaxy brains over there have put together the list of the uh, the most expensive and ridiculous things from Goop magazine, including, of course, the vagina scented candle. Do they sell? Goop? Um, say what? Do they sell they, actual Goop? 
it's like it's like how do they come up like i use goop as a generic term like yeah. you know I, oh what are you gonna do like you know brush your teeth yeah put some goop on a toothbrush it just you know? doesn't sound like a good thing it doesn't but that's i mean like i use it just it's like gag like generic gack yeah you remember gack yeah yeah i remember gack like yeah not flum. to be confused with flubber yeah. Fl- <laughs> <laughs> i'm talking about real stuff one. here i'm talking about real things okay, okay? like so 18 carat gold dumbbells hmm. uh good news there are two kilos of 18 karat gold and they're $125,000. so <laughs> you can choose to either buy a small home or a pair of useless dumbbells <clears throat> what else is there Ooh. Psychic vampire repellent. <laughs> but, well, I mean, you know. I guess it's a thing in LA. I don't know. Well, I mean, like vampires aren't all like bloodstuckers. Sometimes they just like are energy vampires. And yeah. clearly this uh, small spray bottle that costs you $27 will definitely keep them away. If you watch that show, What They Do in the Shadows, there's that one vampire who just looks like he looks like an accountant. But he's a he's an energy sucker vampire. I don't know. Yes. You should watch that show if you haven't. Um, it's a no. I've I've seen all the clips from it. It's a good show. Yeah, it's it, coming it back. Awesome. I think in March it'll be back for season two. You keep breaking in yeah. here. I was yeah, about to get ahead. to the best. I was about to get to the best thing. Do it's it. a coffee enema. Coffee enema. That's coffee a real thing. enema. Like it's got vagina candles and a coffee enema. They get you coming and going. Hmm. So that was a shitty joke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, what else is stupid? Camel milk home delivery service. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean, how do you is it, how do you verify that it's camel milk? Yeah, I mean, do they have like a board that tells you that you know? Oh, this is certified camel milk. One hundred percent certified camel. <laughs> yeah, taste testers. It's from real parts of camel, so you know it's good. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's, it's not <laughs> coconut milk. You don't crush up the Campbell in the milk, dude. Mm, this is a nice and steamy one, so it's yeah. fresh. Fresh, yeah. This is uh, not pasteurized can- uh, Camel milk. Um, what is... Oh, okay. So this is the last one I'll do, because this is a stupid bit. Um, cat bed shaped like a shark. A okay. Cat bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it looks ridiculous. I Yeah. I, if it smells like fish, I don't know if that's a good thing. Probably a good thing for the cat, bad thing for humans. Well, how we know the candle smells like fish, but um, <laughs> you're welcome. If I made, it made me feel good. I don't know if it was the right reaction, but all right. Are you ready? Are you ready for the reviews? Are you ready for the the review of episode nine? Yeah, let's let's hear it. The rise of Skywalker. Nobody's ready for this. So here's the thing: this is this is not a spoiler review. Uh, at least not intentionally. That usually when I say it's not a spoiler review, I somehow spoil it for everyone. So probably just fast forward through this section anyway, because I'll probably screw it up. Okay. Um, here's the uh, here's the here's the thing, uh, Brandon. I'm going to take you on a journey. Mm. I'm I'm going to uh, put you through the Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker Simulator. Are you All ready? Right. Yep. Yeah, so here's here's the here's the way it works. You got to follow my directions exactly and then you will experience what I experienced during the Star Wars movie screening. Uh, hopefully it's not the same experience as Sex Underground, so let's go. No, it's 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 not. It's um actually I think that the Sex Underground 
experience would probably be like like a hard R or maybe like an X. Like I'm not gonna put you through that right now. All right. All right. Ready? Yep. Uh, grab one half measuring cup and fill it with feces. Hmm. So just any any poop that you can find. It can be your poop. It can be dog's poop. It's probably easier going to a dog park and doing that. That's fine. All right. So let me know when you've got it. Okay. Got it. Okay. He's got it. Okay. Take that one half cup. You'll, you'll, you'll have extra. It's like, it's like blue apron. You will have extra. All right. Blue so you apron. grab that, <laughs> you grab, you grab the poop. All right. And you rub it into your eyes. Okay. All right. Are, are we, are we there? Yep. You got it. Yep. All right. Now imagine, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Softly speaking words of encouragement to you. Hmm. All right. Okay. And then finally, awkwardly chuckle when I make a really bad impression of a Jawa noise. Okay. Ooh, TD. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you got it. All right. You can you can now wash the poop out of your eyes. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. You've experienced Star Wars Episode Nine. Congratulations! Wow. Yeah, no, that was a that was a really. I think I, did we just do ASMR? Is that what we did? I think that's what I it was. Yeah, I think that's exactly what. I don't know anything about ASMR, but I do know that those are letters, and uh, Brandon had poop in his eyes. Mm. So here's the thing: uh, it's not it's not as bad as that. It's not as bad as actual poop in your eyes, guys. So you can all relax. <laughs> but uh, it's. <sighs> It wasn't great. Um, so here's here's my problem in general with with the Star Wars franchise. Just in a nutshell, is I believe every movie since Episode Three has been completely reactionary. So they heard all of the commentary that everybody said from Episode Three, and they go you know, maybe we can do this more like a traditional Star Wars film. Mm -hmm. And so they did. And everybody was kind of like, hey, this is pretty good. Hey, this is not so good. But you know what? It is Star Wars, but also it's it's not the best Star Wars. It kind of rips off A New Hope. And so they go, okay, well, you know what? We're not going to rip off anything else. We're going to go clean sheet on this one, right? Mm -hmm. And then they gave Ryan Johnson a list of three things that had to happen in his movie and he achieved all of them in ways that no star Wars fan would ever expect. Right. Everybody freaks out. Um, I, I don't freak out, but I am disappointed. Mm-hmm. And the commentary that is forced down everybody's throat, good and bad over at Disney is then put through some kind of weird, like blender and the shake that comes out is episode nine where everybody scrambles because they go, Oh shit, we really did not cover enough ground Mm. in episode eight. If we're going to go down a different path. And I've seen a lot of reviews Mm -hmm. that have said, you know, uh, it tried to forget about everything from episode eight, you know, or, um, it, you know, it, it wasn't a good movie for this reason or that reason. Um, it, you know, I, it doesn't forget about episode eight. It doesn't. It reaches back and it takes the things it wants to. 
from episode eight. But then it also kind of like just you when you when you sit down to see this movie, if you do go see this movie, get your feet in the freaking starting blocks because this thing is going to run at 150 miles an hour. I've never seen a movie that I've thought that has been shot this well that has never given you the time to appreciate it. And that's really what happened. Uh, you've got J.J. Abrams not at the top of his game, but certainly doing J.J. Abrams things. Um, I, I guarantee you there's lens flare in there, uh, probably at the really wrong part. Oh, of course. That's J.J.'s thing, lens flare. But, uh, you know, watching this, it looks smart. You know, like there are a lot of really good Star Wars scenes and there are a lot of enjoyable Star Wars characters. And it's also 1.75 movies in one. And so you never stop the second that you get going. It is immediate and you have to cover, you know, all these extra bits and pieces of plot that were not addressed in the previous movie. Yeah. And you have to cram them in so fast. You don't, you never get an opportunity to really enjoy it. And, and that's, that's a little unfortunate because it was trying to make up so much ground and, and cover so much different stuff. I think that uh, the way they handled a lot of the, the, the deaths of certain characters and the introduction and surprises and other characters was very, some of it was very Star Wars and some of it was like perfunctory. Right. It was, it was like the only thing that I could feel after this movie was that it was necessary and that I had to watch it. Right. And, and when I was done, I was like, I could have read the Wikipedia article and, and probably gotten as much out of that as I could. But, you know, it does actively close out the entire series. Um, I mean, they, they do a decent job. Uh, they leave some things hanging, but it's never really too crazy. Uh, they, they do have some interesting cameos that mm. I will share with you, including Freddie Prince Jr. Mm. Um, they've got uh, John Williams as a guy in a droid shop. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. Uh, Lin-Manuel Lin Miranda um, as a rebel, just in case you were like really jonesing for some Hamilton. Uh, you, you got them. Mm. Um, Ed Sheeran was a stormtrooper. I don't care. Um, <laughs> and, and then also Ryan Johnson. I'm fairly certain at the very beginning of the Rebel, uh, like the first Rebel meeting that they show, is in a flight suit, like out of focus in the background. Like the second that they panned across him, I was like, "That's him!" Like that's I. I it, it's a blink and you miss it kind of thing. But I bet I guarantee you it's him. Hmm. So I, I I know they won't I know they won't actually you know credit him or anything until yeah. like three years from now, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, overall, uh, I would I would probably give it a C. I see. Um, yeah, uh, it, it, like I said, it was necessary. <clears throat> I kind of I kind of think of the entire Star Wars. Uh, is it non-elegy <laughs> compendium? I don't know what you what you call it anymore, but yeah. Um, the first three movies, four, five, and six, right? Uh, those are like listening. I'll compare it to, let's say, like uh, Metallica. Okay. Let's say, like, early Metallica, right? Okay. Like, early, early, where you're like, 
if you appreciate metal and you're into Metallica, like that's best Metallica, right? You're enjoying it. It's actually really fun to listen to. Uh, you'll revisit it from time to time. It means a lot to you, that kind of thing. And then let's say one, two, and three come out, right? To me, that's kind of like uh, like St. Anger or something like that, where it's like a, a later version of it and they try to do something new and it's kind of off the mark. But you kind of listen to it enough to you're like, yeah, I guess I get it. Yeah, or you, you know, kind of appreciate it. Yeah, You kind of appreciate it. And, and that's the thing is like if you cram yourself – get your brain full enough of episode one, two, and three, you can probably at least appreciate narratively what they did because it is slightly more complex than four or five and six. Yep. Uh, aside from that, it was just one giant George Lucas tech demo and that pissed me off. But in general, I mean, like seriously, uh, Jar Jar, who may actually be coming back for uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I just want to drop that real quick. Um, I hope it's a death scene. Like that's how it starts the show, and everybody's like, "This is the greatest thing ever." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that would happen too. But I was talking to my mom about episode nine, and she was just like, "Well, at least it didn't have Jar Jar." I was like, "Damn!" <laughs> like hot take from mom. Yep. Um, Sucks to be that guy that that voiced him because I I saw him on something, and he he talked about how it's always kind of like haunted him for his life like playing that role and and it kind of he kind of you know took it hard you know a little bit yeah like, and that's that's funny like i mean everybody can like not like it and jest. like we don't have to go to the guy's house and pick at him sure yeah you, you know what i mean like that's kind of ridiculous yeah so or don't blackball him you know don't forever. blackball him because he did the jar jar bing's voice you know, right that's right. Rid- that's ridiculous give the dude some more more work but uh there's uh there was that and then uh, I suppose that if you were going to compare musically to like uh, the the most recent three Star Wars films, it's like uh, out of five people in the band, three of them get killed in a bus crash. And then you have to remake your band, right? And ever, ever since then, they've made okay music, but they've, they've never really hit it like they used to. Yeah. And... Um, so you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Star Wars equals bus crash. Um, no, it it was like I said, it wasn't that that bad necessarily. It just none of it, none of the last two films spoke to me in a Star Warsy kind of way. So gotcha. Um, I cannot I cannot recommend anybody to go see it in theater, right? but I can recommend people to rent it or stream it later. Um, Cause I think that it is necessary viewing for anybody who's watched any of the other ones. Uh, you will be completely on the back heels uh, during the entire first like 30 minutes because it makes up so much time. Uh, you have no idea what's going on <laughs> and you will, you will wish that, uh, you wish that 75% of this movie's information was sprinkled across Last Jedi. And then I think this could have worked. Like th- this kind of whiplash that you experience, mm-hmm. um, I think that you could have gotten there. But uh, I think that this whole thing was just monumentally mishandled. I think Episode Seven was at least enjoyable in a Star Wars way. Um it, it had a lot of the core tenets to it, even if it was, you know, 
taking a, you know, a 90, 10 approach, like 90% is a redone, you know, and 10% is kind of icing on the cake. But, uh, but yeah, I can't, I can't endorse this movie um, other than to say that you have to go see it if you want to close this out. Yeah. So that's uh, not a ringing endorsement by any, any standards. Uh, I would give it uh, three vagina candles out of five. (laughs) I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's three Depends out of five. Depends on the so candle, right? It. Yeah, it takes a... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is uh, that a North Alaskan salmon, or are we talking uh, rainbow trout? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a good That's a good question. Uh, also, the guy <laughs> that has to be the quality tester on those, God help him. God. Anyways, yeah, uh, that I, I definitely am going to catch that movie at least... Uh, sometime soon because I need to close out the Skywalker saga as it's been known. Um, I'm glad that this finally puts a wrap to things to where now let's see what direction they take the cinematic universe of, uh, or cinematic side of things and come up with some original stories for once. Um, like they're doing with Mandalorian, for example. And, uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with that. They need to stop the bleeding and I'm glad they finally did. They, they cauterized that wound. So, um, yeah, it was rough, but we, we got there everybody. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Brandon got pink eye for my, my star Wars simulation. Mm, I don't know. So you don't, you don't know. Uh, <laughs> don't know if it that's good. It doesn't develop quickly. No, pink eye is not good. Brandon, <laughs> <laughs> you know, who else doesn't have pink eye audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Pink All right. Eye, huh? Wow. Can, well, can confirm that <laughs> our sponsor does not have pink eye. So I mean Yeah, they're not that... they're not the MySpace of the internet, so <laughs> do you... <laughs> <laughs> So do you think that MySpace is a bacterial infection on, um, on the living organism that is the internet? I would say, yeah, MySpace is a bacterial infection, whereas 4chan is an STD. I mean, one is not the other. Or one is not not the other. Sure. So let's just say that it's a more severe bacterial infection that just happens to be on your junk. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, 4chan. Wow, that's this is this is great radio right here. <laughs> it is it is great radio. You know, it, it's it's just fine. Yep. Uh, this is what happens know, at night versus uh, when we record in the yeah, morning. Yeah, that's so, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. After this, like I think they, after a you know, day things, of work, we're just like, eh. Yeah. Oh no, the the cares are are out the window. That exactly. Uh, so uh, yeah, I reviewed a few things. Uh, well, I have a few reviews. I haven't reviewed it yet, but I've watched a few things recently. Um, last episode, I did tell you uh, viewers about or listeners, I should say, about the Watchmen. I checked out HBO's series of Watchmen. And, you know, everybody remembers seeing the movie when it came out because it was unlike anything else. A lot of mixed reviews, and mostly I think people were kind of like, eh. But, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Alan Moore graphic novel. I think a lot of people are, too. It it very much, like, challenged a lot of different things. Um, And it had a really, really interesting take on sort of alternate 
universe type of deal and, and you know what if nixon was still in office and what if america was running this way and this is what the superheroes have to endure and just a lot more uh complicated issues and a lot more depth and characters and that really kind of shaped what graphic novels have become to today and you see in all these marvel films and all that but it all goes back to the graphic novels that came out in the 80s and this was a very significant one that that came out around that that era um i would say as as well as some of the batman graphic novels too that changed up a lot of things so with hbo's watchmen it's really kind of its own adaptation uh, from the graphic novel. So those listeners that have seen the movie or have read the graphic novel, this basically takes place uh, 20 years into the future. Uh, so it takes place around, I believe, uh, 2003 and uh, what was going on at the time. Um, and this takes place in Oklahoma. This takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it's real interesting because it starts off and, and it's not what you think it's going to be. It starts off where it shows a lot of, you know, racially charged stuff where there was there was an actual uh, actually a, a sort of a racial lynching that happened back in the 20s and um, and bombings and stuff in, in downtown uh, Tulsa and just a lot of violence that occurred. And this actually happened in real life. So it's kind of like a play on those events. Um, but you kind of see where. Uh, Dr. Manhattan gets mentioned a few places. You see a couple different original characters from uh, the Watchmen series themselves are just a little bit older. And then you get introduced to these new characters. And so, you know, there were some reviewers that uh, early on that I saw in the comments, you know, uh, across the Internet that were just kind of like, oh, it's going to be this kind of show. But it's not what you think at all. It, it starts a certain way and then it 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 keeps going. And the further you invest yourself in each episode, you just cannot stop uh, watching. And it takes so many different turns that it's just very surprising and very fulfilling when you get to the very end. So I was very satisfied with the show. Um, also thought Trent and Atticus, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did a really good job scoring it. Uh, they're, they're kind of doing their own sort of like spin and take on the alternate universe uh, with their vinyls and the alternate reality game they're doing. So really cool marketing and, and everything revolving around it. I really hope that they do a, a second season of this. Uh, just thought it was excellent all the way around. So, yeah, I give this one uh, an A. Um, and then awesome. as far as TV shows go, I've been trying to catch up with Castle Rock. Uh, I'm about midway through season two. Um, season one was really good. Uh, which is a Stephen King production, um, and that is on Hulu. And then there's also The Outsiders, so or The Outsider. The Outsider is a show that just started on HBO, and it is also another Stephen King sort of production, also based on another Stephen King novel he recently did. And, uh, you know, Stephen King, he's just, you know, with, with his his sequel that he just did to The Shining and... and uh, all these other different projects on TV. I mean, he's just raking in the dough, but yep. I'm glad that he is on board with being an executive producer. Cause there's so many times in the past that somebody's tried to uh, adapt uh, a novel of his into a, a TV series or a movie. And he just hated it. Uh, but you could tell, you know, he's definitely behind it. So the outsider um, stars, Jason Bateman, Ben Mendelsohn, Ben Mendelsohn plays this uh, lead detective who you find out that, uh, in this town, in this, uh, he basically, he and his wife, uh, their son had been kidnapped and found out he was, he was murdered. 
that took place about like 10 years or, or so uh, before the events that, you know, you're seeing current day. So he's still dealing with the death. It still hits him hard. And uh, the show definitely has sort of a true detective vibe to it at times, uh, kind of mixed with Castle Rock in a way. And so then you uh, look at Jason Bateman. He's a uh, little league coach, uh, little league baseball team coach, and uh, Ben Mendelsohn, you know, gets a tip, and and there's a body that's found in the woods of this little boy who's savagely, uh, brutally attacked, and and you can tell he's he's dead, uh, and they find this van nearby with the boy's blood on it, and uh, Jason Bateman's character's fingerprints all over the van and the boy. And so they decide to go and arrest him during an actual Little League baseball game in front of everybody in the town because everybody knows everybody and makes a big statement. And you could tell that, you know, this is really kind of charging Ben Middleson's character because he's having a hard time kind of separating his personal feelings from it. Well, after the lawyer shows up, uh, Ben, uh, Jason Bateman is like, well, you know, so you're saying that the boy was killed on this date. Well, that's there's no way I was in town. I was in another town for a, a conference. And so they follow up on it and they can't find video surveillance, but they found out that the local access TV was there covering this conference. And you see Jason Bateman's character stand up and ask the guy a question on stage right at the same time that supposedly a witness saw him leaving the body and all that. So they, they were able to find like a fingerprint there as well as the fingerprints at the scene. So that basically they all matched and it confirmed that he was in two places at one time. So there's a lot of mysterious things going on. And meanwhile, it's like the family of the little boy mysteriously, each member starts dying in in weird ways. And so there's something supernatural kind of going on Mm. and it's not making sense to Ben Mendelsohn's character. So that's how it starts. Just the first episode into the second. Uh, There's two episodes that are out now. And of course this is HBO. So there's going to be a new episode every week, so I'll definitely uh, try to provide a review. But hopefully, uh, I know there's a lot of TV you got to catch up on, but I'm hoping that you can catch up on this one with me because uh, yeah, I can absolutely. tell it's going to be That's really awesome. good. They, uh, they said they may not do a season two of The Watchmen. That's kind of like the general consensus right now, right? I mean, did it end in a place where it doesn't need to go to a second season? It doesn't need to, but it just opens up more questions like what else could be going on. Um, I, I could see where it would be very difficult to do, uh, unlike, say, Westworld, for example. But, um, yeah, I don't think they need to. But I think it would just be interesting if they did. Yeah. Did um, Did you ever get interested in reading Watchmen uh, Doomsday Clock? Yes, absolutely. That, that I need to, need to check in on that because that is actually kind of meshing – the Watchmen world with kind of like the DC like 52 kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, there's a lot you could do with that. Uh, yeah. I think that'd just be badass. Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be pretty exciting. And there's uh there, I think there's actually an interaction with uh, Dr. Manhattan and Superman uh, at some oh, point, nice. which, which is pretty much exactly what you'd expect. I'd, I'd hope. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know who's writing. Alan Moore's not doing this. Right. I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. I, I don't know either. Um, yeah. I didn't expect to dive into this or I would have read the damn thing already. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's something I've, I've wanted to do. And I've got, I've got a, a, a special place in, 
in my heart for the Watchmen. It, it's it's kind of interesting. A lot of these, a lot of these shows that are based around uh, graphic novels and that kind of thing are are get there. A lot of the graphic novels kind of went to an arms race where they tried to outdo each other on adult content and uh, like serious gore and and kind of like really adult subject matter. And uh, you see it with like Preacher. Uh, mm-hmm. You see it with the boys. Um, and so I'm, I'm actually kind of very curious as far as all of that's concerned. If, th- if that much is kind of a TV fad that we're seeing it all condensed right now, right? Or is that what the people want to watch? And if that's actually like there's a healthy market for the hard R comic TV show, not unlike like a Deadpool kind of thing or Joker or Joker for that matter. Obviously you can't forget that. Yeah. The number one highest grossing rated R film of all time. Yep. There the Joker will not let you forget about the Joker. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, well that all being said, speaking of the Joker, we've got some, just a little bit of, of the Batman news. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, we saw Colin Farrell, officially cast as Oswald Cobblepot, otherwise known as the Penguin. And we have been told that, well, not we have been told, that would assume that we're actually important. The uh, the the actual entertainment world and us as a whole have been told that Glasgow, Scotland will be the new Gotham. Yeah, um, I find that really interesting. It's very fascinating that it's a non-U.S. city for once. Yep. Uh, but it makes sense because it's probably cheaper to film in Glasgow, Scotland, as opposed to uh, Chicago or Pittsburgh or Detroit, I think, is where they did Batman v Superman. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. If you've ever looked at aerial shots of uh, of Glasgow, you know, there's, there's a little bit of uh, I can see where there's some areas that kind of have like a gothic type of look to it. And I could see Matt Reeves's vision for it. Um and you could tell from some of the spy photos that are out there, the vehicles are definitely like, this is supposed to take place like 1993, 94, mm-hmm. uh, which is really great because that's around the same time that The Long Halloween, the graphic novel came out. So nice. um, fingers crossed for that. But yeah, we don't, we haven't really got a good look at Colin Farrell yet. Uh, of course, there was a spy photo of some guy with an umbrella, but you can't really tell if it's him or not. Um, I don't think it was him. Uh, I love I love that paparazzi take yeah, yeah. on it. They're just like guys grainy. can't cannot confirm that this is actually Colin Farrell. However, he does have an umbrella, you know, on this low resolution photograph. Yeah. That's the kind of reporting I live and die for. And that's the unfortunate part in the world we live in now. It's like there's going to be spy photos everywhere because now you have drones and, you know, stuff that wasn't in existence during, say, like the filming of The Dark Knight. But a lot of that was filmed in downtown Chicago. So, of course, there's going to be pictures of, oh, here's Heath Ledger's The Joker, you know. And and they were like Chris Nolan was smart to get ahead of that and release one photo. And, and everybody remembers what it looks like of him just looking very kind of sinister mm-hmm. uh, in a shadowy room of here's what Heath Ledger's Joker is going to look like. So I'm expecting Matt Reeves to kind of do this, at least for, you know, what Batman's going to look like. And then satiate what, our curiosity a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm hoping he does that. But also, too, I'm hoping he doesn't give away too much 
and and I I feel like he's not um, at this point to where uh, we kind of don't see completely behind the curtain. That's what I really appreciated from Chris Nolan's uh, directing at the Dark Knight trilogy. So, yeah, Absolutely. I'm looking forward to this. I think Colin Farrell is a, a very uh, in-depth actor. Uh, he brings a lot to his roles. Uh, we've talked about it ad nauseum in times uh, in the past. Um, and, yeah, I think he's going to be an excellent choice for Oswald Cobblepot. Want to take us on a real quick tangent, and uh, you mentioned drones. Uh, are are they already delivering packages with drones? Are they, are they doing that right now? I don't know. I, I kind of feel like that's probably something that is happening, say, in Mountain View, California, for example, outside sure. of Google or uh, or maybe outside of Amazon, uh, wherever they're at in the U.S. Uh, I think they got multiple locations. But, you know, maybe like parts of Oregon or Seattle. Yeah, I can see that happening on the West Coast, but I can only imagine how much paying for that sort of delivery services. Right. I, I, I There is not a world uh, that I can imagine that doesn't have a, a crazy person uh, trying to tackle a delivery drone at some point. What's the over under on that? Do you think <laughs> like, is that two years away or, you know, I, I'm just, I anticipate that there's going to be some drunk asshole that decides to get like, you know, something door dash to him by a drone at like two in the morning. Some rich and- drunk asshole. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you have to be loaded. And he probably gets like Wendy's or something. That's my favorite kind of <laughs> like DoorDash is like, man, I gotta hope I hope Whataburger's open right now. It's like, come on, man. Uh, but that's yeah, been there, done that. When when sure. you're in a pinch, but yeah, yes, I did it, it last night picking up Whataburger on the way home late after a meeting. Don't make a habit of getting like a forty dollar Whataburger <laughs> order. Like, just don't do that. But. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I imagine that some guy's going to have that and he's going to just be blackout drunk. And uh, well, we, let's be equal opportunity here. A he or a she is going to be blackout drunk and they will uh, they will tackle the delivery drone at some point, causing either serious bodily harm or a lot of Losing monetary damage. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I do and do not look forward to the moment that happens because it will probably be like a really like dark kind of funny like like a really dark comedy kind of thing. Yeah. Like death to smoochy funny. <laughs> All right. That being said, um, speaking of Batman, uh, you know who's often connected to Batman and Christopher Nolan was Hans Zimmer. That's right. What the hell is going on with Hans Zimmer right now? You tell me, Brandon. Yeah. So you showed this to me. Uh, Hans Zimmer. And, and that's the thing. You know, I, I love everything he's done with Chris Nolan uh, even with Interstellar, I think that's one of like probably the best uh, soundtracks he's done, not to mention my favorite, Inception. Uh, but Dan Romer uh, was originally set to compose the score uh, for the next Bond film that comes out actually in three months' time from now in April until they, unless they push it back again, No Time to Die. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, there's a report out here now that says that he has departed the film due to creative differences with Eon Productions, which is the film's production company. Uh, Eon has been associated with Bond since, you know, for decades and decades. Uh, So, you know, I'm not too familiar with Dan Romer's work, uh, but for whatever reason, having creative differences with a film's production company usually tends to tell me that he wanted something out of the ordinary in terms of maybe getting 
uh, more members of his orchestra added or not getting the right studio set up or equipment. I don't know. Um, or maybe he wanted to go a very different tone with the music and they just didn't agree, but I, I'm not entirely sure. But, uh, now it's been announced that Hans Zimmer has been hired to, uh, last minute, um, score no time to die. If anybody can do it last minute, it's Hans Zimmer. I mean, you think about all of his work that he's done, not only film, but he's even been brought into the call of duty franchise in the past. He's the one who actually did the first modern warfare when that came out, uh, like a decade ago. Yeah, that score was badass. Um, yeah, so, you know, he's just badass in general, um, and I think he's perfect. Uh, he's definitely going to be the perfect one to score uh, the music for Daniel Craig's last outing as Bond. No no time to write a score. That yeah. would be the new name <laughs> of the actual film. Rent a score? Uh, is that the sequel to... Yeah. <laughs> Did, can we do... Uh, Damn can we you, start Justin. a rumor? That yeah. Dan Dan Romer wanted to make the soundtrack nothing but a bunch of clicks and whistles, mm. and that's why he he got fired. Maybe so. Yeah, he, he's I, I heard I heard that. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know what the hell he did, but I'd be like to actually come up with a, a full body of work or not. Like maybe yeah. maybe it was like a writer's block kind of thing where they're like, "Hey, you ready yet?" He's like, "Yeah, it's coming." Like it, it's in the mail. You know, <laughs> oh, you, what do you mean it didn't get to you? Like, oh, no, I didn't get insurance on that package. I'll send you another one. You know, like <laughs> just classic, like bullshit shenanigans. You know, they're right. like, you're, you're three months out and someone like walks into his house and it's just like, hey, damn, what you doing? He's just like sitting there and like a leopard thog, like covered in vodka. And he's just like, <laughs> sorry, man, I couldn't get to it on time. You know, I'm still working on it. Oh, oh duh. yeah. Well, Dan, one thing. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that, like, uh, you know, according to uh, that rumor, Dan Dan Romer does not sound very reliable if all he's doing is drinking vodka, allegedly. Hmm. So and uh, and and lounging around in a leopard thong. <laughs> lounging around in a leopard thong. Yeah. No. I, I, again, these are all rumors that I'm starting that have actual no kernel of truth to them. Well, so. I guess Dan's just going to have to roam to another project. Thank you. Yes. He just broke the mixer. Because I can. I could, yeah, because you can. Yeah. Uh, next, next time I'm going to plug my, uh, my music robot in and play a bunch of just like nothing but air horn songs like during the entire time like you're gonna you'll have no control over it. you're gonna mute me halfway through yeah uh so one thing i was gonna mention real quick was i i read this morning before i got into some meetings at work that uh it's been announced that uh billy ellish uh new up-and-coming artist real young she is going to be doing the uh opening theme song for no time to die uh okay that yeah. so there she's going to be doing it yep okay so is this like a han zimmer get like he was just like you're my muse and i've got three months to crank this bitch out well like i so i don't so here's the thing uh with with bond theme songs right i think uh you know everybody knows you know Goldfinger, you know that one uh terrible uh, you don't want to like just like just dance around to die another day by madonna oh god 
yeah no that's no listen to that that definitely holds up uh but yeah or uh duran duran doing a uh, view to a kill view to a kill yeah. i once actually li- like sat next to a guy at work that uh, <laughs> he's 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 long he's justin? long left now oh yeah I, yeah sat next to justin <laughs> he uh <laughs> jayback if you're listening turn down duran duran he uh he actually had uh, these headphones in like these over the ear headphones and he had it cranked up to 11 mm. and, and he was playing a uh, view to a kill by Duran Duran over and over and over again. And I can appreciate like, if you like, if you like a song, um, you get addicted to it. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to, you can play it over and sure. over again. You can get something new out of it every single time, or it's just catchy and you just want to listen to it. That's fine. That's like an eight hour repeat you know yeah like like how do you think about anything else it's like chumbawamba it's like chumbawamba yeah <laughs> sweet 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 chumbawamba or uh or aqua or or, or or aqua that's a good oh man the barbie song yeah really well yeah. we've covered everything good or, night or bananas by uh gwen stefani <laughs> yeah that's also a a really true story point. my buddy colin uh this was when he was going to ut I, I went and visited them for a weekend and we were playing, we were eating at some like pizza place after we like played some, you know, uh, flag football or something. And so we're eating there, having beers. He goes over to the jukebox and puts in so much money and, and chooses every time he chooses that banana song. And after the boy. third time in a row, the bartender's like, I ain't having this and just went over and just unplugged the machine and that's, Colin's just laughing his ass off. <laughs> that's exactly what you need to do. That yeah. is awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, anyways, not to get sidetracked, but you know, but I will say with, even though it's dated now, but that, that song with Duran Duran had, it brought in a lot of orchestral elements and it was mixed well. And the guitar little riff that was in it, you know, I could see where someone can get addicted to that. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, like it, the the bond music always has like that one kind of different sound to it so i can mm-hmm. i can understand billy eilish getting the you know the the actual bond treatment like i i because it is it is always a little bit different like they uh adele with her skyfall theme mm-hmm. that, that was it was skyfall right yeah I, it was skyfall and she got a lot of awards and accolades for it, it was, but it was, i didn't think it was, it was very the- it, it it was basic but yeah. it was it was unique in the fact that they put together uh, some of those lesser, you know, used strings of notes together. Right. That I mean, like, it, it's not supposed to sound good, but it just because it was coming out of Adele's mouth, it sounded good. Well, you know, the 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 music behind it definitely had the, sort of the same um, Bond motifs. Uh, yep. that that's used a lot uh orchestrally and uh orchestrally is that if the I don't know if that's a word but we're gonna, we're gonna it's gonna be it. a word now um sorry audio file here so I'm just trying to speak and convey my my thoughts for music but yeah it, it definitely came across really well I think my favorite though uh I might as well just have this conversation so my favorite uh bond song is the one by Chris Cornell uh which was used for uh, my favorite Bond film, which is Casino Royale, uh, Daniel Craig's first outing. Um, I absolutely hate that I agree with you. Yeah, it's the like best. that's really upsetting to me right now. <laughs> I was trying, I was trying to be like unique and cool and everything. Yeah, but that's absolutely my favorite. But I also, I mean, like I grew up with Soundgarden and yeah, and stuff like that. So I was when they introduced that, it was it was not a unique song. Uh, you it know was, my name. That's the name of it. Yeah, you know my name. Yeah, it was unique to Bond. 
Yep. And, and it was, you know, anytime you bring in like orchestral stuff into a hard rock setting, like it, it was a, it was a very, uh, I don't know if it was a very well balanced song, but it didn't need to be because it was strong in the points that it needed to be strong in. Right. And, uh, and that, that was fun. I mean, like that's, that's the kind of thing you do. He just kind of did it by feel really. I mean, like at the, at the end of that, I mean, like you could tell that he was putting everything into it and it was, it was a fun song. Right. Which I, I think was very strategic that they used him, um, and, and used that song and the way the song turned out. I thought it was perfect in terms of setting up Casino Royale because it had an edge to it and a grittiness. And it did. it's the first time you're like going through and you're seeing the animations, you know, it's like the first time you're seeing Daniel Craig is Bond, you know, outside of just promotional pictures that you've seen online back in, you know, circa 2006. Uh, right. you know, hard to believe he's been Bond that long. It's crazy, man. It is insane. I have a great um, appreciation for his body of work. Absolutely. I mean, like if you if you want to get the uh, the taste of uh, Daniel Craig Bond pre Bond uh, layer cake is is where to start. Absolutely. You know, another movie I recently watched I should have brought up earlier that I hadn't seen in a long time and I forgot he was in was Road to Perdition. Yes, yes. Directed I totally forgot Mendes. he was in that. But then again, like, uh, you know, if you t- said, hey, come up with uh, Tom Hanks' body of work, like, immediately. Like, Road to Perdition would absolutely slip my mind. And it's not because it's a bad movie. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, what was it? Uh, it was based off of, like, Lone Wolf and Cub or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then... Uh, and like, there's supposedly like a lot out there that's based off of that book in some aspects, but like, it's, it was also, uh, it was made into its own thing. And yes, I think that it's supposed to be kind of like a little bit of shot for shot, but it's, uh, it doesn't make it a bad story. I mean, it's a really cool story. Um, but again, if you said quick mountain Carl crank out all of Tom Hanks movies in 30 seconds or less, I'd be like, uh, you know, cast away. I'm going to bed. So <laughs> I, well, that, that reminds me of a timer that we used to play on this show. Um, Oh yeah. One of these That's days right. we're going to have to, uh, bring it back, but this is it. really quick. In 30 seconds or less, name your favorite, uh, 30 Tom Hanks films. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> that's that's my answer. I will not do that right now because no. <laughs> the but well, clearly we don't have time. No, let's uh, we're 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 up against the wall. Let's go ahead and do our favorite movies of 2010s. What do you think? Uh, well, yeah, let's let's get into that. But real quick, what's your what's your second favorite Bond theme song? Oh my god! I, I'll Brandon. I'll go ahead and say uh, "World Is Not Enough" by Garbage. Oh wow, that's actually ah, that's a good pick. It's a good one. You really suck right now. Um, Which actually, they're touring with Alanis Morissette this summer, and um, garbage is still one. touring. Yeah, they've been touring. They they've been putting out new albums and stuff. But Alanis Morissette's doing like a uh, twenty or twenty fifth anniversary of uh, Jagged Pill tour. And yeah. The first time when she toured that, garbage was the opening act. And so Garbage is going to be the opening act again. I'm like, that's cool. That, like, Alanis Morissette by herself, like, that's fine. But, I mean, like, you know, she can sing. But uh, adding Garbage to that, for some reason, raises the stock of this tour. For me, it's like, a must-see, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, now Liz it's, Fair now is it's also going to be there, too. Who was? Liz Fair. Oh, Liz Fair? Yep. God. Yeah, dude. I just, the only, now just, just screaming in the 90s. And you'll be done, you know? <laughs> um, oh, dude, that's pretty good. So, 
uh let's see why don't you start that clock i'm just kidding yeah, no, no no that's no. super annoying um <laughs> uh let's see what would be a good uh second place um definitely not die another day um try i'm trying to remember like what if you asked uh mountain girlfriend she would say thunderball but she sings it wrong every single time and i, I love her for it but my god it's funny See, um, this is why you suck at that game <laughs> this is why i suck at that game dude um it's okay we can come back to it we'll figure it out later it doesn't matter i know which ones i don't like yeah. and that's what's important it's just it's just like failing at dating you know you know all, all the things you don't like about women mm-hmm. right but or you can't particular name women you date or a particular woman you date, yeah. but you can never tell anybody exactly what you're looking for in a woman because it's just that important of a question you know that's a that's always a good that's always a good thing to one of one of the things i was looking for in a woman was someone who would, would uh mess up thunderball so <laughs> I, I found that um yeah guys have very simple answers but a lot of times they're like i don't know and then know. women are like let me give you the list yeah, the list. Yeah, well, they need to lock that up in a in a vault, right? And they need to pull it out like thirty years from when they started the relationship. So and wait, which vault? There's a lot of vaults. There, there are a lot of vaults. Yeah, a lot vaults. of a lot of different lists. So they might have a yeah. certain list for one day and different list for another. But you know, hey, we we all change and we evolve. So my list from a decade ago certainly certainly is different from the list today anyways Absolutely. we have totally That's, gotten off track so we've uh, gotten off track so let's just you know when we're done with this we'll ahead think here. about relationships and and like ruminate <laughs> while burning a vagina candle <laughs> i'm not gonna let this go gwyneth paltrow all right so so let's talk it's about ridiculous favorite movies I, I know favorite movies of the 2010s because i we're i'm i don't have uh, an easy answer on this, but I want to put you through the ringer. Okay. I, I, I want to know. So 20, 2010s was to me a good year. Or sorry, a good year. Uh, 2010s was a good decade for movies, but it was not a good decade for uh, the complete movie. And, and and by that, I mean uh, much like what I've mentioned about the dichotomy of kind of film today as being like box office explosions and, and like real experiences that people go to the theaters to watch. And also, uh, you know, movies that are starting to get more traction, uh, more mainstream now, thanks to streaming services and things like that. The, the ones that are maybe a tad more indie than usual, but word of mouth is starting to carry those a lot more. Um, I feel like we're getting stronger and stronger into those camps. It doesn't mean that one is not, you know, narratively superior to the other, you know, because I mean, you can have great big explosive movies that have a great story. So more focus on storytelling is what you're trying to say. Yeah. I think, well, I think that they, I think that we're splitting into two camps, you know, and and it doesn't mean that the stories don't work, you know, with the small movie or the big movie, but I think just from a business standpoint that we're seeing a lot of smaller and more emotional movies that, you know, get released in the streaming setting, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the more character like specific and, and very uh, tight storytelling that you used to have to go to like the Magnolia, you know, or Angelica for. 
you know, and then, and then you start to see a lot more of the big blockbuster stuff. That's like the true money makers that you're going to see like in theater, um, uh, the, the tentpole franchises, you know, and, and I think that Hollywood's probably doing business kind of like business as usual, but it, it certainly seems like they're leaning more heavily towards, uh, big big movies yeah Um, no it's i i definitely agree and it's interesting because you've you've definitely seen uh crap i forget when this movie came out but when slumdog millionaire came out you see the danny Boyles doing smaller type of you know like kind of against the grain of what the kind of films he would do and and you see a lot of other directors doing that too but you see the like i i feel like yeah to to kind of coincide with the point you're making the rise of you know a24 in the films that they've been putting out and mm-hmm. typically that'd be like small little films that would barely even make it into theaters and now all of a sudden there's you know from uh you know the scarlett johansson project that was done where you come to find out she's an alien uh to i, I can't remember the title off the top of my head but you know to the babadooks and and these different types of films that otherwise wouldn't have been made or otherwise wouldn't have had like this global following i mean not to say that they wouldn't have a cult following later because even going back to like vhs release like straight to vhs some of those movies did too back in like 80s and 90s and so forth but yeah it's definitely been an interesting decade for sure yeah and and i would also make the point that i feel like the strongest movies came out bookending the decade i think that early uh, in the decade there were some real powerhouse movies that came out um they were bigger budget i honestly believe that but uh more recently uh you know truly uh, stuff like joker in 1917 and and things like that uh i mean i'm not i'm i think dunkirk and and interstellar are interspersed in there you sure. know but again like christopher nolan uh can can do very little wrong in my book um I do believe that it's the density of the good large budget movies are towards like their book ending the decade. And uh, we just got done with one hell of a year when it comes to, to movies. So um, what was there a, I'll ask you this in this way. Mm -hmm. Was there a movie that really spoke to you? You don't have to say favorite because that's, that's kind of BS. Right. And obviously I think it's important that we, uh, if we don't talk about uh, Justin and Kyle's take on movies this time, we definitely need to answer that. Um, Cause they have some, I mean, they have some really interesting picks and I think it's, it's important to, to cover that. But um, what was the movie that truly spoke to you? Um, and you can divide it up. You can be like action sci-fi, sure. you know, yeah, whatever. No. I, I want to hear what your question is. Yeah, uh, no, that's that's my question. Okay, is what's the, you, that's the movie that spoke to me the most? Yeah, the movie that spoke to you the most because not I'm not asking you favorite. I mean, like what what made you emotional this year? What what got you fully involved at the theater? Uh, well, this past year it was definitely Ford v Ferrari. Uh, that one definitely got the emotional feels in me. Um, yeah, I'd say that one was there. Even the small little film Freaks. That one was yeah. definitely touching. Um, there, there's definitely been a lot more touching stories, and you know, unfortunately, I haven't been able to see 1917 yet because I really want to see it properly in IMAX, and haven't seen it in the Dallas Fort Worth 
anywhere you know, being we're, we're gonna have to like dropkick someone to find an IMAX for 1917 in this metroplex probably I don't JJ understand Abrams, it. but um J, J, JJ yeah oh lord okay keep going I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna derail us again right uh yeah but you know thinking about films that you know throughout the decade I mean starting off 2010 I mean Inception I mean come on that that film is still standing the test of time for me in terms of like top 15. Yeah, uh, I I do truly appreciate Inception. Uh, if if not for uh, its its uniqueness, yeah, you know, because it has, um, it 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 doesn't have to have a tight narrative because it's its own narrative. Like it's kind of like Doctor Who in that way, and that it's just like, what are the rules? Who gives a shit? Let's make them up. Yeah, and uh, and and that's that's fine because everybody can can nitpick at plot holes and stuff like that. But there are, there are very few movies where you walk out of there and you say, yeah, like what the hell do you think uh, just happened? But in a good way, you know, not, not necessarily an episode nine way. So um, what, what else was there? I, I, I can, I can cover Christopher Nolan movies. I, let's sure. talk about non-Christopher Nolan movies. Non-Christopher every- Nolan movies. Uh, one director that came out of the blue this decade and, the first film I, I saw him do, I was just kind of like, wow. Like, I was taken aback, was a film called Prisoners. And that, yes. that starred uh, Hugh Jackman and... Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah, Jake right? Gyllenhaal's The Detective. Yeah. And that movie is just such a powerhouse of emotion. Uh, I highly recommend any listeners out there to check that out. Uh you know, that was Rod- a real sleeper. I mean, that that really just didn't didn't get traction at the box office. But it, I I think that there's a I don't keep talking because I want yeah. Roger this. Deakins was cinematographer in that, so it looked excellent. But it's always it, going to look good. That is that really gets you in the feels. I mean, that is a very you know, and it's it's a dark, depressing movie. You know, it's it kind of like how Seven is in a way, but. But it's not, it's not like, it's something I found myself returning to and watching over and over again. I've probably seen that film maybe five, six times since it it came out. And I remember recommending it to my friend Daniel and he's a real tough kind of critic in terms of, you know, watching films. But after he watched that, he was like, wow. Like, so after I watched that, of course I had to watch his other work and I watched Enemy, um, which was, you know, kind of a smaller release and that was an interesting thinker. Uh, you know, and then he, he's done a bunch of other films uh, this decade, like Blade Runner 2049, which I mm-hmm. thought was excellent. Um, Roger Deakins deservedly finally got an Oscar for. Uh, and then he did a, another film uh, that involved, I believe, Amy... I forget what her name was. I will say that Prisoners uh, got the prestigious award of having both a, a high audience and tomatoometer score. So that is a, a rarity amongst good movies. Yeah, uh, and the and and two, I I totally forgot. Denny Villeneuve did uh, Sicario, so he directed Sicario, and he also the year after that directed Arrival. So it's just you That's know, right. it, just year after gets... year, it, it, he's just brilliant. And uh, right now, he's finishing directing and, and doing production on Dune, and so Dune will be coming out later this year. I uh, cannot wait for Dune. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm an absolute nut when it comes to uh, that cinematically, obviously, but I'm, I'm, that is a, a, a book series that I cannot wait to listen to on audible. So there you go. Um, what about you? What are some, what are some films that stood out to you this decade? 
Oh man. Um, unfortunately I feel like I really, uh, fixated on bigger budget stuff, uh, this decade. And part of that is because of like the terminal, you know, phases of Marvel and stuff like that, where I was just like, okay, well I saw one, I have to see the next one. Okay. I saw that one. I have to see the next one. I'm like, damn you, Disney, you did it again. (laughs) But, uh, but I mean, and they did, you know, they, 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 I mean, if you like superhero movies or if you don't like superhero movies, um, I think that the people who were kind of like middle of the road on that kind of thing, uh, had burnout at just the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you, you'd, you'd been with this thing for like what, 10 years, yeah. you know, watching this stuff. And, uh, they were, I mean, like, look at the numbers for, for infinity war, you know, an end game, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, they beat out my favorite movie, um, avatar, which, which came out in 2009. But, uh, so I can't add it to the list, which pisses me off. Not even as a joke. Um, God, that's upsetting. Uh, Hey, but good news. I found out there are three sequels that are coming out pretty much back to back. So we'll get a lot of avatar pretty soon. Boy, I can't wait. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, for the people who, uh, for the people who enjoyed the cinematic kind of universe feel of things for the people who like the comic book movie, uh, deal. Uh, if you're, especially if you're a Marvel fan, uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to find a better decade, you know, yeah. than, than what we just went through. Um, yeah, ob- obviously there's, there's more to come whether we like it or not. Um, because they're going to milk that thing till people stop going. Uh, I mean, they just picked up Fox. So good. Yeah. Luck. Deadpool, man. I mean, Deadpool, Deadpool came X-Men, out. We had Deadpool one, two. Four. We had some great X-Men films this year, uh, or this decade. Um, you know, and then some not so great ones towards the end. Uh, but yeah. you know, it, it ran out of life, but I mean, you had dark Knight rises earlier this yeah. decade or this That's last right. decade, um, to Deadpool to, uh, there's so many things that have changed the game. Yeah, and, and so from the big franchises, obviously I can speak to those because I think those are are more of what I have been going to recently. Uh, in the past ten years, before that, I was much more diverse. But the uh, this the stuff that really stuck out to me, obviously, was everything that Christopher Nolan did because mm-hmm. I'm just an absolute goober for for those movies. But the uh, this the movies like Skyfall and uh, Spectre. Mm-hmm. where I think narratively tight and well shot bond films. Yes. And it's, it's not every day that you get basically what is uh, a good bond film and also a fan service all in one. And, uh, and I think they did it. I, I think it goes unintentional, you know, to some degree, I think that they weren't really out there like polling fans asking them, you know, who do you want to see in the next bond film? Right. But overall, I mean, like, I think they did a really good job. I'm very excited about the no time to die, even though I've trashed the overall experience because I mean, there's like literally no good news that came out of the development of that movie, except for the fact that Hans Zimmer is involved. And then the motion trailer where, you know, uh, bond looks bored as hell, but also he had to do that shot a million times. Like you talked about. So I think it'll be um, fine. I think it'll be great. Uh, but it's gonna, it's gonna be fine. 
Well, Skyfall uh, and Spectre, to, to go back to your point, um, those were done in fan service because Sam Mendes, the director, was a giant fanboy of Bond. He had all the novels and book, all that stuff. So a lot of that can be attributed to him. Yeah, and I and I, I remember reading that somewhere, and it, and it was, like I said, it was a fan service, but it wasn't like shoving it down your throat. You know, right. It was I just mean, kind of a was, nod and a wink. Yeah, it was a nod and a wink and it was fun. Uh, you know, it was, it was a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing for some of those deals. But, uh, you know, it was I don't know. They were, they were just very well done to me. Um, those are pretty easy answers. I'm trying to look through some of these other stuff. Obviously, um, some of the movies that we had towards the end of this year, like Joker. I mean, oh, yeah. Um, the Irishman is going to win awards. Um Let's see. I will say that the uh, one I, and, and people have been calling out Black Panther and saying like, damn, dude, that's the best superhero movie. I know Justin even said that. Um, I, I will say that the it, if it had been less hyped, mm-hmm. I feel like I would have been more emotionally like in touch and like very like enthralled by that movie. Um, I think so. But too. I was, I was at a point where it was so overhyped and I was pretty much at burnout point at, at that, when that movie came out. So I didn't get as much out of it that other, other people got out of it. I think if you'd never seen a superhero movie before and you saw that, you'd be blown away. Yeah. You know? Agreed. I just, I, it didn't really do. I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was good, but it didn't really do too much for me personally. I didn't think it was like the best thing since sliced bread. So no, uh, I, I, it was not my style. Um, yeah, and again, like I, I get why people like it, you know, it had, it had very interesting characters that were, that were fairly well fleshed out. Um, you know, and, and it was a complete movie. Yeah. So, and, and you don't get that a lot with these superhero movies because a lot of the time the world is the character you're trying to grow. So, uh, that, that is kind of a, a strange and unfortunate take for it's, it's going to run contrary to a lot of critics and everything. Uh, but the, I will say the, the best uh, superhero movie that I saw outside of the conclusion of the series. Um, and this is a, this is a real like dark horse for me, but it's uh, going to be uh, Captain America uh, winter soldier. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I appreciated it because it was shot like a spy movie that just happened to have superpowers. You know, it it was, it it was working, uh, in concert with a lot of the, the cool espionage stuff with like interesting, you know, plot twists and things. Robert Redford was in there, you know, Robert Redford making weird political speeches and then, you know, coming out of nowhere and being Hydra. Yeah. He was in a a spy movie back in the day that was real popular in the seventies. Uh, I think it was, uh, three days of the condor. And oh, sneakers oh. as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were both thinking of two different things, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, well, dude, sneakers talk about a cast. Oh Holy yeah. Shit. Yeah. Oh my God. Lawrence Olivier. I could see them doing a remake of that. They, they, they will, but I don't know. Uh, when, when you get a giant cast together, like oceans 11 and mm-hmm. everybody's having a, a, you know, a big fun time and it's like some, some giant yuck up, you know, and everybody's having a great time doing it it's more like a theme park ride than a movie. Right. You know, yeah. and, and that that's fine. I mean, like, I, I think that there's room for that. Um, 
but when you're when you're talking about sneakers i think that uh i would hope that they are um they're as fun as they are cerebral about that you know i mean some of it doesn't hold up yeah you know but but the overall the connections with the characters that they have with each other and everything i think is it's a strong uh it's a tight buddy movie kind of thing that that has a lot of it was not really a buddy movie but it's a it's a good ensemble movie yeah agreed so let me ask you a question so looking back at this last decade, what are some films that were a huge disappointment, let down, or just were just horrible, in your opinion? Oh man, um, the the easy answer for me um, was uh, was all the Star Wars. Yeah, um, and then the uh, the other the other easy answer for me is uh, Justice League. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, like, there's, there's literally no comparison to, from what DC has done to what Marvel has done, and you may be real lukewarm on the Marvel stuff, um, but uh, it, it just absolutely like curb stomps the, oh, the DC absolutely movie universe. The TV, TV wise, like Arrowverse and stuff like that. There are people that are gonna be really into that, and and I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm one of them. You know, I enjoy that kind of like, you know, junk food TV every now and then. But uh, but for the most part, I mean, I think that was probably the when it comes to hype versus, you know, reality. Um, that was that was probably the the biggest kind of like tear your heart out kind yeah. of deal. Um, yeah, Justice League honestly lost me at weird CGI Superman face. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was immediate. Like that was right off the bat. Yeah, mustache gate. Uh, yeah, mustache gate, dude. Um, yeah. By the way, the the movie that uh, Henry Cavill had that for Mission Impossible Fallout, freaking awesome. Oh yeah, the Mission Impossible movies this decade, this last decade was just that really was awesome. Yeah, I would uh, I would actually uh, put those movies up against uh, older Bond movies for sure. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a tougher sell with the newer Bond ones because they're very different, you mm-hmm. know. But uh, it it does retain a lot of the the fun mm-hmm. that the newer Bonds have kind of you know eschewed for more ass beatery. So right, that's fine. Um, what were you disappointed with? I mean, what was the thing that was? I, I'm going to ask you. I mean, like you asked me. So Independence I mean, Day Resurgence. That's a good call. Pile of That's garbage. A really good call. Yeah, no, that was not good. Dumb and Dumber Two. Good, good call as well. Batman v Superman. Uh, which I kind of yeah. compartmentalized with Justice League. I just didn't like either of them. Yeah, the uh, Batman versus Superman. Uh, I almost could get through. Um, yeah, I've there, got. I've got. The there's mainly the, uh, a couple Batman scenes, and that's it. But and that's just like, eh. I just Jesse rather Eisen go play and, like Arkham Knight instead. Yeah, no, for for sure. Um, Jesse Eisenman is uh, is maybe the worst pick for Lex Luthor, <laughs> um, ever, ever. Agreed. Strong agree, as Justin yeah. would say. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I think uh, we got we had Jurassic World as well, which I think is is killer. Um, yeah. I'll ask you right now, uh. The same question that Justin and Kyle asked each other. I know we don't have a lot of time. We were already like way over. But That's all right. The um, 
the question of who, what actor won the decade, right? Like who, who won it and who's, who's, who are you keeping an eye on for the next decade? That this is a tough one because I feel like certain actors really went above and beyond and just got better with their craft, like Christian Bale, for example. Absolutely. But I would say that Leonardo DiCaprio uh, definitely won the decade for me in terms of yes. starting with Inception, um, going into uh, you know Scorsese's film. Um, Shutter Island. So yeah, his his work in Shutter Island. Uh, we'll skip over Great Gatsby, but you know he was in Django Unchained, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, The Revenant, Wolf of Wall Street, Once Upon I, a Time in Hollywood. So did did you actually like? Um, what was what was the movie you said? I not it wasn't uh, Django and it, uh, Shutter Island. Did you yeah. actually like Shutter Island? I did like Shutter Island. Um, they they were like really Justin and and Kyle were really shitting on it like yeah. in orbit. Yeah. That and what's crazy is that came out the same year as Inception. Um, and of course those guys are going to shit on it because that's what that's what Justin does. Uh, he talks about shit all the time. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I just told you to rub poop in your eyes. So, yeah, I mean, at is, least we're not talking about shack dumps. Um, so shack dumps. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, tune in that tomorrow. Episode. Um, yeah. But so Jay Edgar, uh, Django Unchained. Yeah, Jay Edgar was of, definitely the one that I didn't care for. But Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, Shutter Island was was really great. It, it built a lot of suspense. I thought it was a, a really great Scorsese film. And, you know, it played out kind of like the book. I mean, the ending of the movie is different from the book, but I thought he was I thought he, his acting was great in it. Yes, uh, I, there's no question. I, I think um, my my initial thoughts are that Leonardo DiCaprio won. And I agree with you on, on Christian Bale. Um, but I also, uh, think that Daniel Craig has oh, yeah, absolutely. a spot in the last decade. Um, yeah. I, I mean, everybody's going to be like, Oh, you just like bond shut up, but it's not necessarily bond. It's, um, Oh God, Logan Lucky. The, yeah, Logan Lucky is a Soderbergh Not, film. And Knives then, Out. Um, Knives Out really got me. Yeah. Uh, it, and I think that maybe uh, maybe he just has two modes. It's like uh, British and Southern. Yeah, he does um, a really good Southern draw. Yeah, uh, and I was going to say that Knives Out is so successful that uh, now uh, Ryan Johnson is toying with the idea of writing off a spinoff film of the following the adventures of his character, the detective. So I hope that I, happens. I, I hope that happens. I, the whole time I was watching it, the way that they had introduced it, I uh, had a very like Clouseau, um, you know, kind of like uh, Sherlock Holmes kind of thing to it where I was like, uh, yeah, okay, I get it. Like you're going to follow this guy that it, he is going to be involved in more mysteries. Like I want him to do that, you know, and I want him to shoot it exactly the same way. I don't want it to be centered on him yeah so um i will say that uh, my my favorite movie uh so far um and I, I i have a lot of catching up to do unfortunately so please don't crap on this is probably knives out yeah um and uh, i think that it was um it had it had some throwaway stuff in there that was kind of like you know self-serving bullshit um mm -hmm. but but overall uh ryan johnson crushes it 
Um, I think he take, I think he loves himself a little bit too much sometimes, but uh, I also think that the dude knows how to direct. And so he can kind of strut it, you know, um, some of the, some of the crap, like having a giant circle, like throne of knives kind of thing where they're in, you know, interviewing people is a little so on the nose that it's almost like, is that like, does he think it's funny? Yeah. You know? But, um, but, but overall, uh, narratively, I think it's well, well told. And, and I think that everybody acts their ass off in that movie. Uh, and I think that it's actually, a with as big of a movie as it is, it's absolutely a sleeper. This yeah, year. agreed. Um, as as was Ford v Ferrari, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. But um, yep. so we've we've both mentioned two male actors. How about actresses? Who? What actress? Like, was their decade? Um, in your opinion? Oh man, um, it would be kind of shitty for me to be like Anna Darmus right after like Blade Runner and all that. Yeah, so I'm not gonna, they, I'm, it's not that's not her. That's not yeah, her thing. No, not not for the complete decade. So uh, no, not for her the complete decade. Um, I never know how to say her name. I, I've seen her in like a million things, and I still don't know how to say her name. Yeah. Um, Sorcy Ronan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I you know I think that uh. They put her in stuff that like is like a less edgy Kristen Stewart, mm. you know, and they ca- they're casting her in like big budget stuff that that evokes emotion and independent women and stuff like that. But uh, certainly as an actress to watch, yeah. um, I would say that she's one she's one to watch. Um, the actress in uh, Westworld, who I cannot think of right now. Uh, yes, uh, she is excellent. Evan Rachel Wood. Evan Rachel Wood, that's right. Thank yep. you. But Westworld only came up around 2016. I don't really know of anything she was in before that this last decade. No, I just think she crushes it in Westworld. Yeah, she does. You know? So if she, I mean, like, if she was in nothing else, it still wouldn't matter to me. I think that she does. I mean, like, that's a great body of work for her. So, uh, so while you're kind of pondering, um, I, I would say it's very difficult to, to say who because in my mind it comes down to two actresses uh one is scarlett johansson um she actually actually completely owned this decade and became the top paying actress uh in the world um as of this last year uh but everything that she's done from her uh which also starred joaquin phoenix to uh the uh you know under the skin that she did it was a24 take you know to the avengers to uh, you know, everything else this, this past decade, I thought she was excellent in. Um, however, I'm going to give my award to Emily Blunt. I feel like Emily Blunt had more of an, uh, uprising over this decade with edge of tomorrow. Uh, she was also following that year. She was in, um, she was in Sicario. Uh, and then of course you got quiet place, uh, she did Mary Poppins Returns. There's all kinds of stuff that she's done this last year or this last God. decade, I, I should say. She was also in Looper. Uh, don't forget yep. she was the the lady at the house. That was probably where she first ended up on my radar where I was like, wow, this actress is is really good. And then I was like, oh, she's British? Like she yeah, Kind of like a, a gooped up Jason Gordon Levitt's face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that was that was actually a good movie. Ryan Johnson did a good job on that too. Um, how good is Edge of Tomorrow? Hot oh, damn. So that good. is such a fun movie. Yeah. Like it's a tough sell to people who don't love hard sci-fi, 
but uh just if you're an action yeah if you're an action fan dude uh rent that movie now yeah um it's just like if you're anti tom cruise it's an it's like it does for what uh like tropic thunder did for tom cruise's reputation Mm -hmm. right like you know show him as the the fun comedic actor that he's capable of it brings that like a level of charm back to one of his movies that uh you haven't seen in a long time and and i and i truly believe that i'm not talking about like uh mission impossible where he's just like the the hard-ass genius you know leader slash you know badass but uh edge of tomorrow uh is a a rock solid action sci-fi movie that has a lot of charm in it thanks to tom cruise yep absolutely we think we're done yeah man um i think we we've definitely fleshed out the last decade looking forward to this next one uh, i mean we got some um, like we said last year was amazing with films uh this this year ahead of us is going to be so amazing between you know uh, no time to die to everything's coming out this summer. Top guns coming out later this year, Dune. I mean, it's going to be such an exciting time for movie fans because, you know, you thought last year was great. Get ready for 2020. Um, more and, candle sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, thank God. <laughs> more avatar blue people, more avatar. Thank more. Just stack on avatar. Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, yeah, that's all the time we have for today. We're definitely reaching the 90 minute mark at this point. Uh, definitely went longer than uh, I think we intended to, but yes, man. Thank you, and I'm sorry. Oh, n- sorry, not sorry. Uh, we, had, we had a hell of an episode here. Uh, I think we had a really good time talking about all kinds of things from uh, vagina candles to reviews to uh, favorite movies of the 2010s. Uh, you never know pink what. Eye. Yeah, pink eye, yeah. You never really know what you're going to get between me and mountain Carl. So, uh, but want to thank, uh, all of our listeners out there. Thank you so much for listening to us, Carl, as always, uh, appreciate everything you do and, uh, enjoy our conversations, uh, especially this one. You got it. Feel free to check us out on the interwebs. You can check us out on Instagram and the Twitter, uh, at sensibly loud. And then on Facebook, sensibly loud media, feel free to check out next episode of sensibly loud radio.